0: to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Bill Kasky Podcast. We're going to talk today about stress-free prospecting. So here we go. You know, as I've said on this podcast before, the number one issue for sales teams today, and I work with a lot of them, so this is, uh, it kind of comes from podcasts that I do and emails that I get and phone calls that I get, and then, of course, my clients. The number one problem is prospecting. It's how do we generate the right leads at the right time in the right way so that we can, as I've said before, scale the business? And unfortunately, it's hard to scale the business if you can't scale leads. Uh, you can work on closing percentage if you get 100 leads a year and you close 15% of them. Then one way to improve your business is to work on closing 40% of those. And you'll get a three and a half times or two and a half times, whatever the number is. Increase, bump, lift, as they say in UK. But uh, I think there's also something to be said for working on the prospecting side of it, the traffic side, as I say. I've got a couple clients and I spend a lot of time distinguishing between traffic and conversion. Traffic is what are we doing to create traffic in our world, uh, leads, discussions, uh, inquiries, whatever. And then conversion is what are we doing to close those? And I think for so long, almost all sales training, it's really weird, really weird. Almost all sales training deals with conversion. They don't deal with traffic. Their their solution for traffic is go make a whole bunch of cold calls. Make 100 cold calls a day. But the problem is that's not scalable. I'm not opposed to cold calling, but that's just not scalable. So I want to talk today about uh, this is going to be the first of at least a two-part, maybe a three-part series called Stress-Free Prospecting. And I want to start with the mindset because, as you know, if you've heard this podcast or any of my work, I, I do think that everything begins in the mind Everything begins with how we see ourselves How we see our customers How we see the market What is our potential Everything begins there So let's take a look I've got six here that are Actually five That I think if you were to And I don't know if these are mindsets necessarily Or just perspectives You've got to have this perspective If you have this perspective Then I think it makes prospecting A whole lot less stressful A whole lot more efficient And I think a whole lot more profitable So number one I believe the prospect many times is halfway or more down the sales process before you get to do anything. So if if somebody is calling you, there's an inbound call, let's say they've seen something on the web or they've heard about you or you did a LinkedIn video and they want to talk to you now. I think the issue there is how do you know where they are in the whole journey? If you're making a cold call on them, which we said is not scalable, but I know you do it and that's okay, then they're probably none of the way down their journey. Maybe you're the one that starts them on their journey. If they're not even thinking about doing business with anybody or changing out something or buying something or exploring something, then good news, they're not very far along the process. Now, once you leave and and you start to their curiosity and they start to become interested, that's when they'll go to the internet or they'll ask other people. And that's why sometimes you leave a call, first call, and everything seems hunky-dory. An old old, uh, adage from the 60s. And then you go back two weeks later and it's like you never met them. And they're saying, yeah, you know what? I've looked at four other people. I got three people coming in. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Didn't, Didn't we start this together? But of course, people are free to do that. So I think we've got to understand, we've got to have the mindset and the perspective that the prospect is probably a ways down their road, down their process before you get to do your best stuff. So that's number one. Number two is I I say that your best bet to be stress-free in the prospecting mode is to figure out a way to meet them where they are. When you talk about meeting some, someone where they are, it really is an art form because I know a lot of you and I know a lot of my clients when they go in, if they're not particularly trained well, at, at least not yet, they will go in and attempt to convince and persuade. And I think there's no better way to create resistance than if you are constantly in convince and persuade mode. How many times have you met that guy or that lady at a networking event and they ask you one question, one question, and you answer it and boom, they're in their pitch mode Well, you know uh, a lot of people have had that problem feel felt found a lot of people feel that way, and what they felt is, and what I've found is and they start pitching. that's not where i was i wasn't I wasn't uh eager for a pitch, sir I just wasn't i wasn't I didn't come to this networking event hoping to be pitched, nobody does. So you've got to figure out a way to meet them where they are. And the best place to start is I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're interested in something like this. I don't know if you have any problems that this could solve for you. I don't know is a perfect way. I call it, it's the it's the skepticism move. But that's probably where they are. So why would you want to go so far ahead of them and start assuming you know what their issues are and you know what their budget is and you know that you have a perfect solution for them? Slow down. Slow the roll, brother. You've got to get back to help. uh, You've got to get back to meeting them where they are. So as you're in prospecting mode, go slow, please. It's good for your mind. It's good mentally for you just to chill and slow down. It's good for them because they get a chance to come along on the journey with you. You're holding their hand on the way through. You're not yanking them through. Number three is a unique perspective that I came up with here a couple years ago. I don't talk about it too much, but I think it's interesting. And If you really want to embrace the correct mindset about prospecting, then listen to what I'm about to say. At some point, a prospect or a person, let's just call them a person because that's what they are, they experience some kind of suffering, some kind of setback. Maybe they're disappointed in their earnings. Maybe they're disappointed in sales, maybe they're disappointed with their accounting practice, maybe they they drive home some night and say, gosh, I wish my accountant did that, or they're talking to a good buddy of theirs and, and he or she is telling them about what their accountant does and, and they're like, well, wait a minute, our accountant doesn't do that. And they, they start to suffer because they don't have what someone else has, or they don't have a solution to a problem, or they feel like their problems are just overwhelming. So there's a suffering, there's a first part of this which is suffering. Part number two is they begin to seek. They go online. They talk to their friends. They might do some research in some way. They might talk, ask around their company, hey, who knows somebody who does X? And at some point they find, and hopefully they find you. So they suffer, they seek, and they find. They may find you on the lo- online. They may find you from a referral or whatever. Then... You arrive on the scene. You might arrive on the scene through a phone call, through an email, through a face-to-face meeting. And when you arrive, you go to step uh, step five, which is where you inquire. You inquire about their circumstance, their situation, what they're struggling with, what their pains and problems are, where they want to go, what their ideal outcomes are. You have to inquire deeply. And I don't just mean ask a couple questions, then roll into pitch mode like we do at the networking event I just talked about. No, you've got to inquire deeply. Understand the problem. Understand the context of the problem. Understand the impact of the problem. Number six is, as you are inquiring and after you inquire, you lead you lead them. You don't manipulate them. You don't grab them by the collar and say, look, I'm going to hold you down until you buy from me. I guess you could do that, but I think you'd have a lot of backouts at the, at the end of that. But you lead. You say, look, here's what to expect from me. In the event we work together, here's what, the way it looks. Here's how I work. Here's what it looks like to work with our firm. Here are the next steps in the process. Here's what we can, you can count on me for. You lead the process you don 't you control the process, but you control it because you lead it, you lead it gently and then step seven is they are thankful that you came they are appreciative and they are grateful that they found you or that you came in or that you asked these questions that you asked. so they start with suffering, they start to seek, they find you, you arrive on the scene, you inquire about their issues, you lead the dance. And then they rejoice, as I say, because they're grateful that you came in. If you do all of those things right, especially the first six, not much you can do about the rejoicing. But if you do those first six things right, you will have the outcome of them rejoicing about how you came in and so thankful that you're there. Doesn't that beat the old convince and persuade game and always be closing and always be selling and, you know, there's the qualification. Are they qualified? Do they have the money? I've I've heard salespeople who go to these unbelievable sales trainings and presentations where they say, you know, I believe that I need to get the money on the table in the first five minutes of the of the meeting. Well, how does that work? If somebody calls you or calls me and says, hey, before we go any further, can you spend $20,000 on this thing? I would say, look, I don't even know who you are. You don't have enough rapport with me. I don't even know if I have a problem. I don't know if I'll spend twenty grand. Probably not right now. And then if they say, okay, great, well, we'll go call somebody else, they, you may have missed a sale because that's not the way people decide. People don't decide to spend money first. People decide to solve a problem first. And if they haven't given you and and, and helped you capture the essence of the problem, then you talking about money in the first five minutes is crazy. But I got to tell you, there's some sales training organizations out there teaching this stuff, and I think it's crazy. So that is number three, is this whole cycle of suffer, seek, find, arrive, inquire, and lead. Next one. Right now, your best clients are on your competitor's target account list. Now, you might say, well, how is this stress-free prospecting? And I will tell you this, I believe I've, I've witnessed this a lot over the last 10 years is that we get so excited about prospecting and bringing in new logos and bringing in new people and talking to new people. And I know that's where you sales leaders are infatuated with new logos, but I got to tell you something, you had better pay some attention to your current clients because they are on someone else's target account list. Everybody I know when I go into an organization and we start working on target account lists, which we do, chances are 80% of those companies that they list on the target account list are already doing business with somebody else. Rarely today is somebody doing nothing with anybody. It could be. could be you're in, a, in a, an immature market where people, in sales training markets that way. When I go into a company, there's a 90% chance they either are not working with another trainer or coach or they never have. But if you're in a business where pretty much everybody has some kind of a vendor that they pay attention to, your best clients are on your competitor's target account list. So you've got to go out and serve your clients. I think the way you serve them is by solving new problems and ultimately selling them new products. I do a thing with my clients where I have them list across all the different products and services that they could sell. And down the left-hand column, they list all their top 10, 15, 20, 25 clients. And you start making an X across the board. And does does uh, Smith Jones Company, do they buy column one? No. Column two? Nope. Column three? Yes. Column four? No. And we say, wait a minute, they're only buying one thing from us? and they're still doing 100,000 hours a year. What if we went and started to prospect new for new business inside that account? They know us, we're set up in their system. We probably have some kind of decent relationship with them. But I find sometimes we we ignore that because it's not sexy, it's not it, it it's not there's no there's not as much of a hunt there. I think there is a hunt, but not as much as one. So, if you want to grow your business organically, I recommend, number one, that you play offense a little bit instead of defense. You play offense by continuing to go back to your current clients, find out what the problems are, have a problem set, and I did this on a LinkedIn video the other day, a problem set with, for every product that you have. And you can then go in and, and have a message that hits home. And the last one is, it's a perspective on stress-free prospecting. It's you must reinvent yourself. Because if you don't, your market will reinvent you out of the business. Think about all the companies that go out of business. I read a stat here a year ago or so that talked about the, the you know the fastest growing companies in 2018, 40% of them are out of business. They may have gotten bought, may have gotten sold, may have just gone out, bankrupt, whatever, but there's a constant churn in the world and I'm convinced and I've seen it happen Where if you are not or if your company's not reinventing itself, especially when it comes to prospecting, you may find yourself out of date, out of touch, maybe even out of business. I don't hope that for you. I hope that doesn't work. But you've got to be thinking, what can I do to reinvent myself? What can I do? Can I work on my personal brand a little bit more? Can I work on my uh, social media content a little bit more? Can I study the art of selling, the art of assessment, the art of economics, uh, the art of... Here's one. I, I think I mentioned it here a couple of episodes ago. The art of explaining things. Can
1: you help me? The art of explaining things. Are you good at explaining
0: things? I find most of us are pretty miserable at it. And I don't know if we've just never been taught how to do it. If we don't spend any time studying it, you know. One thing that I, when uh, the unfortunate accident happened, uh, when Kobe Bryant, uh, we lost Kobe Bryant here a, a week ago. I was going back watching some of his YouTube videos where he was interviewed and, and they're very motivating. He was a very motivating guy. And he talked about studying the game. He said, I never stopped studying the game how can i How can I get better at moving left? What are all the elements of moving left better in dribbling with my left hand and going around left? What are some elements of defense? How can I get better at defense and He did it not by practicing first but by studying first, studying the best defenders, studying the best offensive players, studying the best shooters, studying weight training. He talked about a lot about his legs were not in shape when he first came out into the NBA and he had to work all summer long, just nothing but leg work, leg work, flexibility, strength, fitness. And so the lesson you get there from a guy like that, who, 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 you know, just was an amazing player. Forget about his personal life. Just from a playing standpoint, he was amazing. He studied it. So I got a question for you. Do you study it? Do you study your craft? Are you in small groups? Are you in any kind of uh, seminars or webinars? Do you spend money on yourself studying and getting familiar? And not just studying how to sell something, but look at the elements of selling in the process. I think one of the things that we all need to work on is explaining things. How do you explain your unique value? How does your company teach you to explain that unique value? So those are the five perspective changes that I think if you start to think about prospecting and selling a little bit differently, I've given you five, I think that when we come back now and talk about some of the methods next, that you'll, uh, you'll have the foundation built. You can go to billcaskey.com if you are a sales leader. I've got a document for you called What the Hell's Going On With My Sales Team. And it's free. And if you go to BillKaskey.com, it's up in the upper upper section of that, so you can download that. And also, there's a couple of free videos you can watch with that as well. And I bid you farewell, and we will talk next week. Bye.